you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Proud of this, proud of that group. Amen. My wife is coming tonight to open her heart in the word of the Lord. Would you make her feel welcome as she comes? Praise the Lord, everybody. You may be seated. Wow. <laughs> I think that's, that's the only word that has come into my mind tonight. What a way to start the new year by just a soul being baptized in the precious name of Jesus. I am so excited about what God has done. Sister Wanda, I'm telling you, I am just rejoicing with you tonight. What an incredible answer to prayer. And I thought as... Uh, Samuel and Ryan, you guys probably never thought you'd see this day coming, did you? Seeing your dad going down in the precious name of Jesus. And I think it is just such an incredible, incredible thing. This is what it's all about, church. This is it. If you've been wondering what the church is all about, this is what it's all about. It's all about souls being buried in the precious name of Jesus about people coming to the revelation of Jesus' name, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's about making disciples of the most unlikely candidates and about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Acts 2.38 message being preached to men and women everywhere. This is what revival looks like. This is it. This is the church being the church and fulfilling its purpose, and that is simply making converts of those who need to know who Jesus is. To those of you that are teaching Bible studies and those that are witnessing to your neighbors and those that are inviting your friends and your family to church, and for those that are standing in the gap for your loved ones, for this city, for this region, for this nation, for this world, when you're standing in gap in prayer, I want you to know, I want to encourage you that souls will be the result and revival will be the result. So keep reaching for it, keep pursuing it, keep posturing for it. And I hope that before we leave here tonight, that we all will make a resolution to do more to win souls in 2020. How many of you want to win a soul in this year? Tonight, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to simply talk to you from my heart. My husband 
uh, when he mentioned to me and asked me if I would be willing to speak tonight, my first response to him was no. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. And he made a statement. He said, your silence is over. So you all are in trouble because I have 15 pages of notes. So it won't take me that long. But when he said his wife can go a little bit long, you know, that might have been a prophetic word. So settle in and enjoy your night. No. But anyway, I do, I do want to share with you what has been on my heart. I'm going to be reiterating some things that I have heard from behind this pulpit in various pulpits over the last few weeks and even the last few months. And it is my hope to inspire this church to fulfill the purpose that God has for us. How many of you know that God has a purpose for the church? And I believe that that purpose is revival and winning souls. We are positioned for it. It doesn't get any better than this. If you're waiting for us to be positioned any better, you're, it, this is it. We're positioned for revival. We are equipped for revival. We have the ministry space that we need. We have the teaching that we need. We have all of the components that we need for revival. The only thing that we have to do is we have to go for it and we have to pursue it. I don't know about you, but I am hungry to pursue after revival and to fulfill the purpose that God has for this church. As I get started tonight, I want to give you a brief summary of the scripture that I will use for my text in order to set the stage for what I am bringing to you tonight. We are looking at the book of Acts where it records the conversion of Saul to Paul and records his ministry exploits. In Acts chapter 7, we see where he had been party to the stoning of Stephen, a man of authority within the early church. The Bible talks about Stephen like this. He says that he was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost and full of power who did great wonders and miracles among the people. Let me stop right here and say the enemy doesn't like a church folk who is like Stephen. He prefers the cold. He prefers the indifferent. He prefers the powerless. He prefers the one on the fence. But the one who is powerful and is who, who is full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost, the enemy will set out to take their life and to stop them. In Acts chapter 8, we read of Saul for the very first time. The scripture tells us that Saul consented to the death of Stephen. In other words, he was party to it. The Bible says that Saul made havoc of the church. In other words, he uh, created chaos within the church and confusion and turmoil and disorder. And uh, the way that some of us would put it as old timers would say he was just full of the devil himself. In Acts chapter 9, we read that Saul was on a mission with authority from the high priest to slaughter the disciples and to arrest and imprison believers. His purpose was to stop the church and the furthering of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we know that on his way to Damascus, 
Jesus stopped him in his tracks and charted another course and another purpose for his life. Jesus said this of Saul before his conversion, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. The Lord had a purpose for Saul. Word of warning to the church, never turn your nose up at the one who comes into the church and appears to be the most unlikely, the most undeserving, or the most ill-equipped individual to preach the gospel. That individual may very well be the next Paul. Be leery of judging what God has purposed. In Acts 9, the 18th verse, we find where Saul's eyes were opened. And the Bible likens his conversion to scales falling from his eyes. And he was baptized, the scripture says. And for those who would say, well, the Bible doesn't say that he spoke with tongues and was filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me just go ahead and, and rest your mind and jump ahead to 1 Corinthians 14 and 18 where Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. So that settles the issue right there. The Bible says that Saul immediately began to preach Christ. Or in other words, he began to testify of his experience and his conversion. He falls off the scene until Acts the 13th chapter, where we find Saul in prayer and fasting with certain prophets and teachers of the early church. The Holy Ghost speaks and instructs that Barnabas and Saul were to be separated from the others in the words to, uh, for the work whereinto I have called them to. At this point, we find where his name is changed to Paul. And he is full of the Holy Ghost. In Acts 13 and 14, we find ministry exploits of Paul. In Acts 14, Paul is stoned and left for dead. Yet the very next day, he preaches the gospel in Antioch. In Acts 15, we find more exploits of Paul. And in Acts 16, we find where God gives Paul visions. Then he is beaten and he is put in jail. Yet in the jail, while they sang and they prayed and they praised, there was a great earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken and the doors were open and the bands of the prisoners were loosed and the prison keeper was converted. I don't know about you, but I'd like to be in a prayer meeting in a worship service like that where the very foundation is shaken. In Acts 17, we find more exploits of Paul. We read where he stood on Mars Hill proclaiming Jesus to the men of Athens. Acts 18 and 19 depicts more ministry exploits. And the scripture says that God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. And that pieces of his clothing healed the sick and delivered people from devils. In Acts 21, Paul is arrested and bound and was beaten for preaching Jesus. Acts 22, 23, 24, 25, and 26 shows us the fulfillment of the words of Jesus in Acts 9. For he is a chosen vessel unto me 
to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And it depicts the fulfillment of his purpose. This brings me to my text in Acts, the 26th chapter, where Paul was brought before King Agrippa and gives Agrippa his testimony that almost converted King Agrippa. I'm going to take your attention to Acts 26, the t- beginning at the 12th verse. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of the things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light that they may and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me everything that Paul went through was for this purpose to minister the gospel to the Jew and the Gentile to be a witness of the things that he had seen and experienced, to preach the gospel to the people who in society, his society were outcast, to reveal Jesus to them, that their eyes would be open and that they would turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they would receive forgiveness and an inheritance of eternal life. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look at the person next to you, and I want you to tell them that God has a purpose for the church. All right, let's say it again like we mean it. God has a purpose for the church. Now turn back to him and say, I have a purpose. I love seeing the beginning of a new year come around. There seems to be a sense that um, of everybody wanting to start over fresh and, and wanting something new. This week, I was determined to reclaim some form of normalcy after the holidays. And I was determined to begin this year with a clean slate. So I took down all of my Christmas decorations. Proud of me. Pat myself on the back. I had three trees up, so that was quite, quite an undertaking. And then my dad hauled it off and put it in storage. Thank you, Dad, for doing that. But I did my best as I was cleaning up to sweep up all of the glitter that my husband loves so dearly. Glitter is his absolute favorite. I spent several hours yesterday cleaning the house and scrubbing the bathrooms and the kitchen and 
I finally pulled all of my summer clothes out of the closet and put them in storage in January. That's impressive. <laughs> it's impressive for me. The beginning of a new year is a time where resolutions are made to be different than we were the year before and to be better than we have ever been. I know that for myself, every year I purpose to be better. I purpose to be more of the person that God wants me to be. I purpose to read my Bible through and to pray more and to witness more. There seems to be an innate drive that causes us to reach for and to strive for something new and something different, a new purpose in life. I think we all want to be better. We all want to achieve great things. We all want to feel that we have a reason for being. Winston Churchill once said, it's not enough to have lived. We should be determined to live for something, for a purpose. I want to live for something. I want my life to have a purpose. I don't want to just aimlessly exist and then get to the end of my life and wonder what was it that I accomplished and, and what was my life even all about and what was it for. But I want to live my life on purpose and for a purpose. There have been books that have been written about it. There's books like Living on Purpose. Discovering God's best for your life and life on purpose. How living for what matters uh, most changes everything. And the life that you were born to live, a guide to finding your life purpose. There was an article in Psychology Today that asked this question. Without purpose, what's the point of getting up every day? Life can't just be about growing up and getting a job and taking a few vacations and retiring and, and dying, can it? Surely there has to be more to life. There has to be a bigger purpose. Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. I submit to you tonight that to every child of God, there is a season and there is a purpose. You may be walking in a dry season, but there is a purpose because times of refreshing will come. The Bible promises it. You may be sowing in the season that you are in, and you are wondering if you will ever reap and see the fruits of your labor. But there is a reaping, the scripture says, if you faint not. You may be in a midnight season and you haven't seen the light of day in some time. You just need to know this, that joy is coming in the morning. You may not understand, but let me assure you that God is wanting to fulfill his purpose in your life. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Tell somebody, I want his purpose to be my purpose. I want his purpose fulfilled in my life. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, 
but according to his purpose. When we have the mind of Christ, then his purpose becomes our purpose. Let this mind be in you, the Bible says, that was also in Christ Jesus. If the mind and will of God, if it was the mind and will of God that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance, then we should make it our purpose to bring people to the point of repentance. His purpose should be our purpose. If his purpose was, as he stated in Luke 4, to preach the gospel, then we ought to purpose to preach the gospel to the whole world and to our world. If his purpose was truly to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives, then we should reach to the brokenhearted and preach deliverance to the captives because his purpose should be our purpose. It should be what we are striving for. Our purpose sets the entire context for our lives. It's the master plan for our lives. It's why we get up every day. It's what drives us. It's what keeps us awake at night. Our purpose should be our passion. It overtakes our thoughts. It's what we daydream about. Sometimes my husband and I will just go for a drive just because a lot of times he's so busy and I'm busy and we don't really get that opportunity to talk. And a lot of times we just find ourselves just daydreaming about what the church is going to become and about the revival that is coming. His purpose, revival, should be what, what overtakes our thoughts. It's the objective that we strive for. It's the intended result of our focus and energy. It's the entire point of our existence. When we have the mind of Christ and his purpose becomes our, our purpose, then revival will become our first priority. Souls will be our priority. Revival will be what drives us. It will be what motivates us. It will be what we dream about. It will be what wakes us up in the morning and what we look for throughout the day, the opportunity to be a witness and to see revival. Revival will become who we are and what we do. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. In the final message of the decade, Pastor made this statement and it struck so deeply with me. He said the church must show signs of de desiring revival in order to see revival. The church must hunger for revival. It must posture for revival. It must press for revival. It must pursue revival. He went on to say that the 120 went to the upper room on a word from the Lord with expectancy. They waited for it. They prayed for it. They postured themselves for it until the Holy Ghost fell and worldwide revival was a result. If revival was the purpose of the early church, then revival should be the purpose of Christian Life Church. I'm going to say that one more time because I, I want you to get on board with me. If revival was the purpose of the early church, 
then revival should be the purpose of Christian Life Church. It should be what we strive for. It should be what we're reaching for. It should be what we are positioning ourselves for. We hashtags like things like CLC Movement and CLC Global and 2020 Beyond. But are we willing to make those hashtags a reality? Are we willing to go for it? Will we make it our purpose to impact our city and our region so deeply that CLC actually becomes a movement that moves this city and moves this region? Will we purpose to fulfill the whole gospel to the whole world and become CLC Global? Some give by going and some go by giving. But one way or the other, the gospel needs to be preached to the whole world. Will we purpose to become CLC Global? Have we purposed ourselves to go beyond in 2020 like our pastor has challenged us to do? We have, cho we have been chosen for this time. And I think that we need to understand that these are the last days. If you don't believe it, all you need to do is tune into the news and see what's going on in this world. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Some of us have family that are not in the ark of safety. Jesus is coming. Will we purpose to win souls for the Lord? Prophecy is being fulfilled. For the past two days, earthquakes have wrecked the country of Puerto Rico. Yesterday, Iran filed missiles at U.S. targets in Iraq and promised further retaliation if the U.S. strikes back. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, Jesus is coming. The statement was made that Iran sees no difference between the U.S. and Israel, whom it hates. Jesus is coming. Wildfires ravaged Australia and destroyed hundreds of acres. Ushers are training to become security guards in preparation for the threat of church shootings, which are rampant. Jesus is coming. It is the last days. Christians are being persecuted around the world. They're being beaten. They're being imprisoned. They're being shot before their congregations. They're being beheaded, and they're being burned alive. Jesus is coming. We are very spoiled to have the opportunity to walk in, the, in this church tonight and be able to lift our hands and worship freely without the fear of police or armies coming in and arresting us or taking our pastor and killing him. How dare we take that lightly? There are thousands, even millions of people in China who would give anything to have the opportunity that we have to worship God freely. And then we come into the place and we don't want to give God worship. He's deserving of the worship. He gave us this liberty. He gave us this freedom. But Jesus is coming and we have to purpose to win the lost and to win our city. 
Luke 21 and 28, when you see these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Jesus is coming. Souls are lost. Time is short. God has chosen us for this time. We have a purpose. It is not by accident that we are living in the day and age that we are living in. And let me tell you, it is not by accident that you are sitting in this congregation tonight. God has a purpose for every life in this place. Every life under the sound of my voice, God has ordained a purpose and a plan for your life. Esther 14 or 4 and 14 says, for if thou altogether hold thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise for the Jews from another place. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? God specifically designed the church for this time. And he specifically designed you and purposed you for this time. 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, but ye are a chosen generation. You did not choose this. God chose you. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into this marvelous light, knowing who Jesus is, knowing the power of his name, being filled with the Holy Ghost. And when we are, have this privilege and we are purposed, we must reach and we must witness and we must win the lost. It is the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is revival and seeing souls saved. I want to see the church fulfill its purpose. The purpose of God for his church will stand. Nothing can stop the church. Upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Acts 5 and 39, but if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Nothing will stop the church. The Lord is going to have a church and souls are going to be saved. And it doesn't matter what hell throws at us. It doesn't matter who stands up against it. God is going to have a church and revival is imminent and souls will be saved. Some may ask, well, what if it doesn't work? What if revival doesn't happen? We cannot be fearful of failure. We may try one method and it doesn't work. We'll hang it up and we'll try something else. We should not be fearful of failure, but we should be fearful of the regret of not fulfilling our purpose. I don't want to live with regret, regrets. I don't want to get to the end of, the, of my life and say, I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have fulfilled my purpose. I wish that I would have done what God was calling me to do. Matthew uh, 28 and 19, Jesus said, go, teach all nations, baptize them, teach them to observe the things that I have commanded you. 
if in 2020 our purpose is to go beyond anything we have ever experienced before, then we're going to have to reach for it, and we're going to have to posture ourselves for it, and we're going to have to press for it until something happens. Just like the early church, there are still keys to revival, unity, one accord, pray until something happens, intentional evangelism, a willingness to go and to make disciples. Revival is imminent for the church. It is going to happen. Joel 2, 28 and 29, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Excuse me. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. I don't find that happenstance that the first month happens to be January. And it's right now where we're at. The church is praying. The church is fasting. The church is posturing itself for revival. God has a purpose. And if we will go after it, God will give us revival. You may have been praying years for your children who are not saved. And you're wondering, am I ever going to see it? God is going to give revival. Don't give up. You may be witnessing to the same people on your job and wondering, are they ever going to take me serious? Are they ever going to come to church with me? But let me tell you, don't give up. Revival is coming. It is going to happen now. The church is postured for it. We're prepared for it. We're at the point for it. And God is going to release it if we will press for it. Do you want to know the purpose of the church do you want to know what God has purposed for you? His purpose has not changed from the very beginning. Luke 4, 18 through 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. His purpose has not changed. He still intends for us to preach the gospel to the poor. He still intends for us to reach to the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. If we're going to be an Acts 5 church like was prophesied over this church, then by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people because they were all with one accord. And believers were the more added to the church, multitude of both men and women. They brought forth the sick in Acts 5 into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them and heal them. There came a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folk and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one of them. That is speaking 
prophetically of us that we have that same power to see unclean spirits, people with unclean spirits delivered. We have that same power to see people healed. We still have uh, the, the same power, the Holy Ghost that fell in the book of Acts is still falling today. You may say, well, I'm not equipped. I don't have the words. I've done so much that no one would ever listen to me and hear me out. Come on, Paul. God has, purpose, has a purpose for your life. You have the same Holy Ghost that Paul had. Acts 1 and 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts 16 and 19, and I will give unto thee. Someone pointed themselves and say, that means me. I will give unto thee the kingdom of heaven and whatso the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven it's the purpose of the church we must fulfill our purpose may i remind you the words of our pastor the church must show signs of desiring revival in order to see revival. We must show signs and desire of uh, fulfilling our purpose in order to fulfill our purpose. The church must hunger for it. It must posture for it. It must press for it. It must pursue after revival. We have a word from the Lord. Where is our expectancy? The 120 waited, they prayed, they postured themselves until the Holy Ghost fell. And worldwide revival was a result. Why don't you say, CLC, let's do the same. Let's make it our purpose. We're fasting, we're praying, we're standing on promises. God has showed us the potential for revival for this church. And through this church, he's given visions, he's given dreams, he's given words of prophecy spoken by our pastor and by evangelists. Why don't you say we make it our purpose and make up our minds that we will go beyond in 2020, beyond anything we ever thought was possible. I had someone come to me on Sunday and tell me that God had given them a dream and they saw the church so full to capacity that the church could not handle. We didn't have enough seats and people were coming and they were going. I was uh, given a dream of something very similar to that. It's time in 2020 that we see those things come to pass. It's time that we fulfill our purpose. It's time that we go beyond. It's time that we experience the revival that God has purposed for this church. I know this might not have been something that was just earth-shattering for you tonight, but my desire has been to inspire the church to go and to give and to witness and to win the lost and to see souls saved, 
teach the Bible studies, reach out, witness. You don't know who's going to listen and who's going to take it serious. You may have somebody say, I'm not interested. Well, they turn you down the first time. Maybe the second time they'll be a little bit more open to it. Keep going for it. Keep pressing for it. Keep posturing yourself for it. God has revival for the church. The church, the purpose of the church is revival and it's souls being saved. But I think we need to recognize that the church is not a building. And the church is not just our pastor. But we are the church. We are the hands. We are the feet. We are the voice of Christ. It is our purpose and our duty to reach this lost and a dying world. I want to see God fulfill every promise that he has given this church. I, I want, uh, as bad as I, I hate to say it, but I want the words of, of our late bishop to ring in our ears that we weren't building big enough for the revival that God had for this church. I want to see this church busting at the seams. I, I want to feel the pressure of needing to build another building because this church can't handle revival. I want CLC to make such waves in this community that everywhere that we go that people say, ah, I've heard about that church. I've heard about what's going on at that church. I, I want for the presence of God to be so strong that it draws people who drive by State Road 28. When they drive by the building and they feel a pull and they feel a draw and they say something is going on in that church. I, I don't know what it is, but I want to be a part of it. That's the purpose of the church. That's what we're here for. We're not here just to come and see one another. And this isn't a country club. This isn't just a gathering for friends to get together. But this is a place where souls should be saved. I don't want to see our altars barren. I'm so thankful tonight that the waters of baptism were troubled. I think it's incredible. But let's don't let that be the only one that was baptized in the month of January. God forbid that, that Brother Chuck is the only one baptized in 2020. I want to see the baptismal tank just, I, I want to see him coming in and coming out, going down and coming up and seeing souls saved. God has revival for the church. It's our purpose. It's what we're about. It's what we should be dreaming about. It's what we should be posturing for. It's what we should be striving for. And God promised that he would give Give us revival. He promised it. How many of you have been praying for somebody and you've been standing on a promise for a long time that God is going to bring them into the church? Hands all over this place. I've, I've got family members on my dad's side, uh, on, on my husband's side that, that are not walking in truth. But I believe that they're going to. I believe that God is going to send them. I believe that God is going to send us revival. And I want to do my part. I want to do everything that I can to see the purpose of the church fulfilled. If you feel that way, why don't you stand to your feet, lift your hands, and why don't you commit to the Lord that you are going to be a part of the revival that he is sending to us. God, we worship you tonight. We thank you, Lord. 
We thank you, God, because we know that you have a purpose for this church. You have a purpose for each one of us individually, God. Lord, you're not pleased with us standing idly by, understanding that there is a world that is lost. God, but we know that if we will reach and we will press, that you have promised us revival, that you will use us, that you will anoint us, God, that you will give us the words to speak. God, that you will lead us, God, make us sensitive, God, to those that are around us, Lord, that need you, Jesus. Let there be a desire, God, that is burst so deeply in this church that we're not willing to stay where we are, God, but that we're driven to go beyond, Lord, anything, God, that we have ever dreamed possible. Let us see souls saved. Let us see miracles. Let us see wonders, God. All, God, that you would be glorified, God, that you would be lifted up. Lord, that your kingdom would be built, God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, give the Lord a hand clap of praise as pastor comes. Why don't we just step out and gather in around the front tonight and close? Stronger than we've ever been, standing on his promises. We're gonna see the impossible. 